Welcome to Meaning Over Money, a different kind of financial podcast where money is never about money. Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited to have you here. We hope you're having an awesome week. And regardless of when you're listening to this, we hope it adds value to your journey. Well, as you know, if you've been listening, we're on a stretch where every Wednesday we are releasing an episode about investing. A few reasons why. Number one, it's probably the most asked about topic from the listeners. And number two, I believe it's one of the most misunderstood, underappreciated, underutilized, disregarded topics in all of the personal finance space. I also think there's a lot of toxic, half-truths, lies, misunderstandings floating around the internet. And we just want to provide context. We want to help people understand this better, but we want people to, to know that there's a, there's a better way, there's a, there's a healthy way, a peaceful way to invest that's accessible to all. In today's episode, we're going down a topic that surprisingly we haven't talked about. I talk about it all the time with my clients, and I, I did a, a keyword search. We have a new website, and if you want, if you ever want to see what content we have, whether it's the blog or the podcast, travisshelton.com, you click blog or you click podcast, and there's a search feature in there that's really slick. It's really accurate. And, and I search for this topic, taxable investing. Nothing. Nothing. We've done 300 episodes, but we haven't gone down this road yet. And so today we're going to talk about taxable investing. So let's start here. Taxable investing is it's investing in the stock market, just like your retirement accounts, except with one big difference. It's money that you can take out whenever you want. Now, the traditional way of looking at investing is you invest in your your 401k, your 403b, your IRA, your traditional IRAs. All of these are very good. All of these are, are great tools. Yes, awesome. Do it. Go for it. Perfect. These are all investment vehicles that have some sort of tax advantage. Either you get a a tax deduction when you invest, or if it's a Roth, you get a tax deduction when you take it out. However, on most of those accounts, you cannot access the money without consequences until 59 and a half years old. Now, again, these are great. There's a place for this in all of our lives. We should be participating in these. But taxable investing is different. Taxable investing, you do not benefit on the front end when you invest. There's no tax benefit there. When you take the money out, there's no tax benefit. No tax benefit whatsoever. You take after-tax money, so you get money in your paycheck, and then you can invest it. And then when you take the money out, when you sell your investments, then, well, you pay taxes. There's no tax benefit. But the trade-off is important. The trade-off is that money can be accessed Anytime, for any purpose. Let's say you're 36 years old and you want to buy a house. 
taxable investing. Let's say your kids go to college and you need supplemental income to help pay for their college. Taxable investments. Let's say you need to buy a car. Taxable investments. Let's say that you decide you want to you want a supplemental income for whatever reason along the journey. Taxable investments. Maybe you want to retire before age 60. A lot of people do. Taxable investments. Taxable investing allows you the flexibility to do anything you want with that money. You can give it away. You can spend it. You can use it for needs. You can use it for wants. It's all on the table all the time. That is a huge benefit. But people really get worked up about the taxes. And they'll say, yeah, but you have to pay taxes. Well, yeah. If you make money, then you pay taxes. So if you make money, you pay taxes on the gains. That, that's a fair trade-off. For most people, not everybody, but for most people, generally speaking, the way it will work is you'll if you hold it for more than a year. So if you buy an investment... Let's say you buy the total stock market index. And by the way, a taxable investing account, you can invest in the same things that you would invest in your 401k, 403b, your IRAs. Let's just say you buy a a total stock market index and you buy it in your taxable account. Let's say say you invest $1,000 and you come back a few years later, several years later, and there's $2,000 in there. So you put 1000 in, and now it's worth 2000 You don't pay tax on 2000 You pay taxes on the amount that it goes up. So let's just say in this case, you put in 1000 it goes up to $2,000. you have made $1,000. So if you sell the $2,000, most people would owe 15%, as long as they've held it for at least a year. So if you put in 1000 in and 2000 comes out, you went up 1000, 15% is 150 bucks. And you wouldn't pay $150 then. What you would do is that would get reported on your taxes next spring, whenever that is. That year that calendar year you sell it, that's the year it counts as income. That's called a long-term capital gain, and then you would report that on your taxes and it would be tacked on as this is more tax that you owe. So you would either owe more money to the government, 150 more, or you would receive 150 less than you would have otherwise. So in this case, you put in 1000 and then you pay, you take out 2000 You sell it and you, you take the 2000 So you end up, you have $2,000. You're eventually going to have to pay 150 in taxes. So you, you end up with $1,850 on, on an original $1,000 investment. That shouldn't intimidate us. People really get nervous about this. People get really anxious whenever you talk about investing, and then when you sell it, you have to pay taxes. But that's the cost of winning. In theory, you should want to pay a lot of taxes because it means you've had a lot of gains. Now, if you invest 1000 and then you sell it for a thousand. When you take that thousand out, you don't owe any taxes. There was no gain to tax. But what's interesting about taxable investing is every single time you make a purchase, let's just say maybe you're using Vanguard, maybe you're using Fidelity or Schwab, wherever you use. Every time you buy an investment, 
that records its own separate transaction and it lives on its own. If you go into your account and you search for cost basis, you'll see, you can see that every, every investment has its own line and every investment you make has its own gain or loss. So let's just say you need the money. Let's just say you have a kid in college and you need, you need to cash in $5,000 worth of investments. Let's say that you do that down the road. What you would do is you can shop all of your different blocks of money that you've invested over the years. And maybe one of them has a $1,000 gain. But maybe, maybe you have a couple that have some losses. Maybe you put it in a year ago and the stock market's had a bad year so far, and so it's down. What you can do is you can, you can sell something that has a gain, but you can sell something that has a loss, and the gain and the loss will offset each other. For most people, the option is on the table often when you sell your taxable investments to not have to pay much tax at all. A couple of years ago, I had to sell a lot of my taxable investments for something else I was doing with that money. Again, flexibility, totally key here. When I sold them, I picked and choose which ones I sold so that I could just not pay any taxes. That's on the table. So I think we need to get over this fear of paying taxes. Number one, it's the consequence of winning. Number two, it's not as bad as you think. If you hold it for a year, most of us will only pay 15% of the gain, of the amount it goes up. And thirdly, when you sell, you pick and choose which ones you sell. Thus, you decide how much tax you want to pay this year. And this is a strategy that I believe in so much. I think we've overhyped the traditional way of investing for retirement. Again, very important. But I think we need to get back to basics and give ourselves a little bit more flexibility in our lives. And it reminds me of a story when, when I was contemplating leaving my prior career. This was maybe six years ago. I was having a conversation with my wife at dinner and we were talking about what do we need to do in order to make this thing happen. And I talked about, well, we need to figure out our income. And my wife, my wife asked a question that was kind of a, a slap across my face, not in an insulting way, but kind of a wake-up call. And she said, well, well, don't we have a lot of money? And my answer, I'll never forget it. I said, well, technically, yes. And at the time, I was, I was 37 years old. And I said, 23 years from now, we're going to be great. We just need to figure out what to do for the next 23 years. And that was kind of my wake-up call of, I had done it the traditional way to a T, too well. And, and I'm not complaining. I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful that I did that. I'm grateful I had the opportunity to invest well. I know how to invest. I've known how to invest. I've made some good decisions. As much bad decisions as I've made over the years, which I have detailed at length on this podcast, investing is one of the areas that I got done really, really well. I'm grateful for that. But if I could jump in my DeLorean and go back in time, I would have done my investing a little bit different. I would have had less emphasis on the retirement-only pieces, and I would have given myself more 
flexibility by going into the taxable. But what a weird reality when I know that 23 years from now, when we turn 60, we were going to be in fine shape, but we have a lot tighter situation for the next 23 years. And since then, I've shifted completely the way I view it, and I've been more intentional about my own investing life. But it's also something that we really lean into on the client front in the coaching. Help! I'm helping clients not make the mistake I made, especially if they're young. They have a chance to really get this in a good trajectory early. So I'm a big believer in this approach. I'm a big, big believer in this approach. I think it can transform our relationship with our finances and give us so much more flexibility and options along our journey. But there's a lot of ideas out there on giving ourselves that type of flexibility and those type of options. And I had a friend recently ask me, completely out of the blue, and I, I think about this idea of taxable investing a lot because I talk about it a lot with my clients. And this friend is not a client. And he said, hey, Travis, I was thinking about ways to invest that I don't have to wait until retirement. I'm thinking, okay, now we're going down the taxable road. Awesome. And he said, and so I have this idea and, and, it, and, and my, my advisor has been trying to get me to do this. And I think this is the right answer. And he starts talking about whole life insurance. And this idea that's out there, and it's out there everywhere, is this. You, you invest in whole life in that there's a cash value in there. And as that builds, that's money that you get to borrow against. You can borrow from yourself. You borrow from yourself. And when you borrow from yourself, you don't have to pay taxes. So it's money that you can take out anytime you want, tax-free. And then you just pay yourself interest. And then you put the money back and then you can take it again, tax-free. And this idea is sold and sold and sold and sold like crazy. And I want to use an example. I have a friend. I just met with this friend last week. This is very fresh. I met with a friend and he recently went down this road. He told his financial advisor, hey, I want to do this. I want more flexibility. I want to have money that I can do stuff with. And the advisor says, I have just the thing for you. And he framed it through the lens of, I want to I have money that I can use for my kid's college. He said, I don't want to do a college account, but I want money that I can use for college. And here's what they did. And I have the policy in hand, so I'm going sh- to share it with you. Here's what they did. They put a whole life policy on his 13-year-old son. 13-year-old son now has life insurance. It's a $110,000 policy. So if his son dies, they get $110,000. I'm not sure why a kid needs a life insurance policy, but here we are. But this is why they did it. They didn't do it for the life insurance. Well, that's what's part of it. But the other part was it's so that they could have money building and then they can borrow against it tax-free and pay themselves interest. Sounds amazing. $150 a month. $150 a month beginning at age 13. And over time, there's a cash value that builds. And this kid, as they grow, they'll be able to have access to it. And it'll be an investing tool for them. But I want to share the projections with you. Here are the projections. These were the base case assumptions in the the insurance documents. 
150 a month by age 22, it should be worth about 16 grand. By age 32, it'll be worth 48 grand. And they ran it all the way out to age 70. At age 70, it'll be worth $450,000. At 150 bucks a month, it'll be worth $450,000 58 years from now, having invested about $102,000. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? So at age 70, they're going to have almost a half million dollars that they can borrow against tax-free and they can use it for anything they want. That sounds pretty good, right? And on top of that, then they get life insurance along the way. Well, let's look at it through a different lens. What if instead of doing that, number one, they don't need, you don't need life insurance at 13. Life insurance is to replace an income. We're not relying on 13-year-olds to pay our bills. At least I don't think we are. I don't. Maybe you do. But my 13-year-old, I don't have 13. I have two seven-year-olds. My seven-year-olds don't pay the bills. I suspect at 13, they're probably not paying the bills either. So let's just say you don't need life insurance at 13. Can I just make that assumption? So instead, age 13, you start investing 150 a month. And over 153 years, the stock market has made a little over 9% a year. It's made 10% a year for the last 100 years. And so we can make whatever assumption. I'm just going to assume 9% long-term. We could be more, it could be less. But let's just say 9% for the sake of this exercise. At the age of 22, in the life insurance example, they would have had $16,600. At a 9% return, investing the same $150 a month, instead of $16,000, you would have $27,000. At 32 years old, instead of having 48000 you would have $92,000. Double. Double. But let's play this all the way out. Let's play it all the way out. Age 70. In the life insurance example, they're saying you'd have about $450,000 a year that you could borrow from tax-free. You don't have to pay taxes. That's a win. In the example of a taxable investment, 150 bucks a month from age 13 all the way to the same age 70 as the life insurance, you would end up with $2.9 million. $2.9 million. But, you know, but you got to pay taxes on that. And this is where the rub is for me. People are like, I don't, I don't want to have to pay taxes. Here's a question. Would you rather... Would you rather have $450,000 of assets that you don't have to pay taxes on, or would you rather pay taxes on $2.9 million? You're not going to take all $2.9 million out at the same time, probably. So let's just say you end up paying a 15% tax on that. You end up paying about $450,000 of taxes, and you're left with almost two and a half million dollars. So you paid $400,000 of taxes and you end up with about two and a half million dollars after taxes versus 400,000, 450,000 you don't have to pay taxes on. Which one do you like? That's why I think this is absurd. And if you look at the rate of return on this policy that my friend bought for his 13-year-old son, 
if you do the math, you put 150 bucks in a month at age 70, it's worth $450,000. That's a 4.4% return on the money that you put in. Well, now you could argue, yeah, but you have the life insurance, but you don't need the life insurance. You put 150 bucks a month in and you get a 4.4% return. And people say, yeah, but with the, with the life insurance, it's safer. It's safer because it's not, you don't have the full market risk. You're protected. That is true. But what they're not telling you is that if you're invested in the stock market as a whole, historically speaking, there's 0% chance you could have lost money over 15 years. Just 15 years. So this analysis, this this 4.4% return you're making on this whole life policy from age 13 to age 70, that's almost 60 years. 4.4% over 60 years. Do you know what the worst 60-year period in the history of the stock market is? 5.9% per year. The worst possible outcome you ever could have found over a 60-year period of time in the stock market is making 5.9% a year. So worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario, historically speaking, if you would have put 150 bucks a month in from age 13 to age 70, like this example, worst possible outcome is you have $800,000. Or you can buy the whole life policy and have $450,000. It's worth thinking about. And, And I can say this from experience, that a lot of people are buying these policies. A lot of people are, are going into this as the investment vehicle of choice, not because they want the life insurance, but because they're sold a bill of goods that this is the best way to do investing that's flexible. And there's a lot of people that are going to strongly disagree with what I'm saying on this episode, and that's okay. I'm not asking you to agree. I'm asking you to consider that maybe there's a better way. I'm asking you to consider that maybe paying taxes on a really attractive performance is a worthwhile endeavor. I don't know about you, but I would rather invest the right way patiently over a long period of time and have complete flexibility and pay very little fees and be able to use that money for whatever I need to use it for. Maybe it's my kid's college. Maybe it's a vehicle. Maybe it's a trip. Maybe it's my retirement. Maybe it's giving it away. Whatever it is, I think you deserve a better way. So this episode got a little bit longer than usual, but I really wanted to, I really wanted to talk through that because I want you to see a real example. And this is a real fresh example. This is a policy my friend just bought. And I see similar policies every single week. I think you deserve better. And I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to throw companies under the bus. I'm not going to throw individuals under the bus. I just want you to be aware this is happening all around us. And it's being sold to us by our brothers, our friends, our neighbors. It's being sold to us by everybody around us. Just know there is a better way. That's all I have today. Take care, guys. 